May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Someone once said, okay, church, what's your business plan? And I would like to respectfully submit to you that our business plan, our reason for being, what we can be known for, is the spiritual gift of reconciliation. Consider this incredible story from the story of Joseph and his brothers. I will confess to you that I went down the rabbit hole on it this week. There are 13 chapters in Genesis going all the way back to Jacob and his two wives, and there's a sermon, and there's all the way down to get to Joseph. So let me just give you the Reader's Digest version and set the scene. So Jacob is also called Israel, one of the patriarchs of the story of Israel's people. And he, along with Rachel and Leah, have 12 sons and one daughter. These become the 12 tribes of Israel. But there's a problem, because daddy has a favorite. And it's the youngest one, Joseph. And jealousy is not a great trait, but... I confess that I feel it when I see the nice cars and the nice houses that I don't have, and it it becomes a little bit of a poison inside me. It becomes me being angry that they have something that I want and don't have. And his brothers know jealousy. Because among the many things that Jacob gives Joseph is the amazing Technicolor dream coat. The resplendent long coat with many colors, and for whatever reason, this is the bridge too far, and they plot to kill him. So he's out in the field looking for his brothers, and they say, here comes this dreamer. And you can almost hear the disdain dripping off of every word. This dreamer, the thing that they think will be his worst trait, turns out to be his greatest strength. And they plot to kill him, but they can't get the coat messy, so they're going to throw him into a pit. And then his brother Reuben, trying to save him, plans to come back and save him, but one of the other brothers figures out there's money to be made, and so they sell him into slavery in Egypt. Now, one of the things you need to know about if you're the people of Israel, Egypt is like the most different, the most foreign, the most bad. This is being sold into the, the, the hands of the enemy, right? And then they go home and they lie to their father and they say, well, I'm sorry to say that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. Can we please sign up for your inheritance? (laughs) Turns out the only reason Jacob's land is worth anything is because it can grow food like grain, wine, oil, cattle, and sheep, right? So story's over, right? Not so fast because then you have Joseph in Egypt and this is where about 50, well, about 10 of those 13 chapters tell the story of how Joseph goes from basically being imprisoned and then enslaved and then working his way up to, the, to Potiphar's house all the way up to the hand of Pharaoh. And why is that? Because he's a dreamer. Because he's, he has these incredible dreams himself and because he can interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And so this one particular dream really gets Pharaoh's attention. He has a dream of seven really fat cows and seven really skinny cows and seven really fat ears of wheat and seven really shriveled, sick, gnarly, not very good ears of wheat. And Joseph says, well, there's going to be seven years of plenty and there's going to be seven years of famine. So during those years of plenty, you've got to store up and save and make sure you have enough food to get you through the famine. Sure enough, it comes to pass. Now, two years into this famine, Jacob and the other, the other 11 brothers and sister and two wives and two maidservants 
and all their children, and all their children's children, and their flocks are thirsty, hungry, looking for food, and they're in trouble. So they're so desperate, they're willing to go to Egypt. So that's like a Georgia fan going to Florida or Alabama and asking for a new coach and a quarterback and maybe a running back if you don't mind. This is desperate times calling for desperate measures. So they get to Pharaoh's house, but they don't recognize Joseph because it's been a minute. And he recognizes them, and this is a whole other part of the story. I'll, I'll spare you the juicy details, but basically he sends him back to bring Benjamin, his brother. And then Benjamin comes back, and he thinks he's going to be enslaved too. And they're in Pharaoh's court with all the Egyptians walking around, you know, observing this. What's he going to do with these foreigners asking for food and bread? And Joseph can't maintain the facade any longer. He sends all the Egyptians out of the room, and he breaks down and sobs. He's so happy to see his family. And he says, I am Joseph. How is my father? How is my family? And they are dismayed. Their jaws are picked up off the floor. They don't even have words. They can't believe their brother, who, to whom they treated, they did terrible things, is now showing himself to them. And he, Joseph has options in this moment, right? He could do what you might call retributive justice. He could do to them what, he, what they did to him. He could sell them into slavery. An eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth, leaving the whole world blind. Or he could do worse. He could kill them. He has all the power. He doesn't do that. Or he could give them kind of a, a, kind of a lame deal and uh, tell you, I'm not going to do anything bad to you, but I'm also not going to help you go on back to where you've been and, and good luck with the famine. But he doesn't do that. Or he could say, I'll sell you some bread, you know, and I'm going to make some money on it. He doesn't do that. Or he could say, I'll give you some bread and go away. But he doesn't do that. What does he do? He says, go home and tell Jacob and my brothers and their children and their children's children and all the flocks, you guys are coming to my house in Egypt and you're going to have some of the best land in all of Goshen and we will, I will provide for you and we will be family and we will be together. And in the Israel story, this is how Israel gets into Egypt. More to come there. But there's an incredible part of the story where Joseph, as the wronged party, takes the initiative to initiate this incredible act of reconciliation, of bringing things back to a restored, reconciled place. And so I want to reflect with you on how we might be seen as instruments of reconciliation. But before I do, I want to offer a sidebar, which Joseph does for us as well. There's something terrible happened to Joseph. His family treated him horribly. They were unjust, they were unkind, they were hateful. And, God, and Joseph says to them, God sent me here. God is working good through the bad things that have happened. And I know that some of us are going through really difficult times and have been through really difficult times. And I don't believe that God desires that for us. I believe God desires the flourishing of all creation. But in this story, God is saying, I will not forget you. I will be with you. You will not be alone. As Paul writes in Romans, has God forgotten the people by no means. So if you are going through one of those moments, one of those valleys of the shadow of death, I want you to know that you are not forgotten by God or by this community, that you are not alone. And through the grace of God and through the loving care of your family, friends, in this community, that you have what it takes to get through and that God can work good even through hard situations, just as God does in Joseph's situation. And then back to this question of reconciliation. It's really 
complicated. And I know that Jenny and Naomi are going to wrestle with this in the class. You have questions of accountability and forgiveness and restoration to new life. And what does that look like in actual practical terms and how might we be part of that? And I want to focus in particular on the way we might be part of that in our individual lives, which is separate from the ways we might be part of that in our collective life. I wonder if there's someone in your life or my life, if there's a relationship that is broken, if there's past pain, past hurt, that hasn't yet been released to God's healing through the power of God's grace. I want to invite you to consider what it might look like to reach out to that person or to those people and invite a conversation, if doing so would not cause more harm. Because it might be an incredible moment of release and healing and forgiveness. If you imagine Joseph Brothers looking at this guy, thinking, oh no, he's got it in for us. But instead, what does he do? He hugs them and weeps on their neck, and they weep on his neck, and they talk together. Can you imagine the release and the joy and the abundance that must have been in their hearts in exactly that moment? And I wonder if God could desire that for you and for me and our relationships, especially the broken ones. So there's something that might be helpful to think about this. It's a Jewish notion of chesed. And it's basically how, how a lot of Jewish theologians, not all, but a lot, think about forgiveness. You might think about it as sort of a Texas two-step. The first step is an actual apology, and the second step is making it right. So the actual apology is not, I am sorry, maybe, if you might be offended, possibly, by something I may or may not have said, which you interpreted wrongly. (laughs) It is not that. It's just, I'm sorry. I messed up, and I can see that you're hurting, and I have empathy and compassion for the pain that I caused you. I am sincerely sorry. Step one compassion and empathy for the wronged party. And then the wronged party has an opportunity to say these most gracious and beautiful words, I forgive you. I love you. Let's reconcile. Let's make this relationship right. And notice that both parties have a role, right? The person who is wronged and the person who causes the wrong, or the group that is wronged and the group that has been wrong and the group that causes the wrong. There's a role for both parties to play in the act of reconciliation. And the other part of the Texas two-step is make it right right? Like a, a contribution towards amendment, towards restoration, towards making, towards rebalancing the scales, towards making things right. So in other words, it's not, I'm sorry, do it again. I'm sorry, do it again. I'm sorry, do it again. But it's a change. It's an amendment of life. This is part of the act of grace and reconciliation is that there's a, there's a change in the way we do our life, individually and collectively. So the Pew Research Forum did a a poll of Americans a few years ago, and they said, what's the number one word that comes to your mind when you hear the word Christian? Do you know what the, the, the top two words that came up were? Hypocritical and judgmental. But what if, imagine a world, Imagine an, an Atlanta neighborhood where the first words that came to mind when people met the followers of Jesus who happened to go to church at All Saints in the middle of Midtown, what if the top two words were love and forgiveness? A community that is known for being reconcilers, restorers of God's kingdom on earth. What if that's what we are known for, both in our individual lives and in our collective lives, where we come to know and love and serve our neighbors? And in so many ways, that's why this Celebration of Ministry Sunday is such a joy, because that's what we're about. 
That's who we are at our core. That's our business plan for the future. How are we going to figure out how to do church in the next gazillion years? Be ministers and agents of God's loving, reconciling, forgiving presence in our individual and collective lives. And the world needs that right now because the world is not reconciled and the world is not restored. And by God's grace, you and I have been charged, have been invited into that role. What a joy, what a privilege, what an opportunity to be ministers of reconciliation, instruments of God's peace in our lives, both individual and collective. Alleluia, alleluia. May it be so. Amen.